Yes, folks. Remember, remember, the 1st of November. Episode number 71 of the Uticast. That's today, and that's this episode, as today we sit down with 4th Ward Councilman Joe Marino, big supporter of Made in Utica, of the podcast. We're happy to have him here. Should have had him on a long time ago. Plus, Mara Avery Drayton returns to the show once again as we talk about our Halloween hangovers. Uh, I bring back a recurring segment, uh, and we get ready for all the excitement of the end of the year, November and December 2016. So wrapping up very quickly, folks. We're happy to have spent it with you. Uticast. We'll be right back. Dinosaur onesie. What's that fleece? You look very warm. I'm very warm and comfortable. Uh-huh. I feel very comfortable. Uh-huh. Onesie was a good call. Uh, even when we went out on Halloween night, I felt particularly comfortable, warm. That's true. Nice Could've falling asleep anywhere. It feels strange saying, you know, it's not Halloween anymore, as the studio is being bombarded from all sides by trick or treaters mm. as we take. Yes, yes. Uh, as you folks know, we do tape on Monday nights, uh, and in South Utica, Monday nights between five o'clock and seven o'clock is. Prime, prime trick-or-treating territory. So, mm-hmm. you may hear a couple things during this episode you don't normally hear, or at least you don't hear as often. One, dogs running around upstairs responding to strangers on the front porch. Two, miscellaneous doorbells ringing and children yelling. Uh, that's just the magic of Halloween, folks. Three candy wrappers. Yes, candy Might wrappers. Might some candy wrappers out yes, here in the studio. indeed. Can I say, can I say one thing, though? Um... Despite all the stuff we did for Halloween, we went to the Wonderful Dev Halloween event they always have every year. We were at the we were at the office doing Halloween stuff. Do you feel, in general, like Halloween was a bit of a downer this year? All down year for Halloween. This down year. year for Halloween. I think part of that comes from the fact that last year's Halloween fell on Saturday, so it was mm-hmm. really like a big all day extravaganza Halloween. That um, could be it. Or had, maybe just you know what, another year older. I had could two. Be it. I had two thoughts on it. Okay. One is because of election season, it sort of sucked the media cycle almost away from everything else. Like, mm-hmm. there's, I just feel like people aren't talking about Halloween as much until Could be. today. Uh, and then number two, and my, my professor at college actually said this to me today, and I hadn't really thought about it, Halloween is trending away from a holiday for kids and more of a holiday for adults. Is it? I don't know if I believe that. Inherently, look, all right, so let's think about the concept of Halloween, right? Okay. Like, you you go to a stranger's house and take candy, right? Like, that's already kind of a thing that we tell kids not to do. <laughs> Don't take any candy from strangers, except in this one day a year. Then right. actively seek out strangers and take candy from them. Sure. I don't know how chill a lot of parents are today compared to 15, 20 years ago, just letting their kids walk around and do trick-or-treating by themselves. A lot of parents have, yeah, a lot of parents have been heavily scared by the media, even though we live in the safest time, in the safest place yeah. in all of human history. Um, also, I think that when you think back to Halloween back in the day when we were living at our parents' house, I remember where both of us grew up. Yes. Um, we lived in more prime neighborhoods for trick-or-treaters. Sure. Than we do now. And we still get a lot of trick-or-treaters. We've got Mara out in the green room taking door duty, handing out candy She's so to the excited. Kids. 
She really is. And uh, there she is, waving. And um, But I think part of it is the fact that our, the neighborhoods we grew up in were like some of the primest of prime trick-or-treating prime neighborhoods. neighborhoods. Yeah. And so you just maybe don't see it as much. But I think like we don't have kids, and we don't really know kids. Sure. You know what I mean? So I think just the stuff that we see and the stuff that's directly marketed to us is probably a little more adult-oriented. But I don't think Halloween's gone away for the kids. Yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. Maybe I just don't see it. I think often. we're just trending older. I don't think the Halloween's trending older. I think we're trending older. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not great. I feel. I say that as I wear a full oh, dinosaur onesie. Yeah, I'm getting too old. Too old for this. Full dinosaur pajamas. <laughs> Does that costume my feet? No, no feet. No, it's basically drop crotch pants. It's yeah. like a hipster dinosaur. Oh, Mark of. Simon must be so happy to have somebody else to wear drop crotch pants with. <laughs> Uh, so let's see a little housekeeping before we bring Mara on for segments, uh, the main segments. Uh, well, we're not really going to talk about much election coverage today. We'll focus next week's episode on that since it'll be the day before the election. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's a reminder folks to get out there, vote election coming up less than 10 days away. I got a, uh, you, you don't know this yet. I'm going to tell you right now. I got a call from a friend of ours, a mutual friend of life, not friend of the show. Mm. And he told me that he voted early today. He got his early ballot. Yeah. And so he wrote both your name and my name in on his ballot in two candidates where they didn't have uh, Democrats. Interesting. So 47th Congressional District, uh, I've got one vote on the docket. And somebody named Samuel P. Famolaro has got a vote for, like, a dog catcher or something. Mm, Samuel P. Famolaro is a good man. If I ever meet him, I'll let him know about this. There you go. Uh, yeah, a lot of, I heard the uh, election turnouts for the early elections were higher than, than ever, actually. Yeah, they year. might be. Yeah. Who knows what that means? They, I just, this needs to be over. Yeah, people want to get it over. Needs I think that's to the be answer. over. Like, the, our long national nightmare needs to be over. That's the answer, though. That's why this election has already had so many early ballots. People are desperate for this election cycle to be over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and let's see what else. Ooh. We can bring back a, re- a recurring uh, segment of the show. It's been a while since we've had this. Over unders? No, no. Either ours? No, we should do both. Mailbags. No. <laughs> uh, it's one of my least favorite. News news news. <laughs> it's one of my least favorite segments. What's wrong with Sam's car? Ooh, that's, yeah. that is a big segment for you. It's that's, been a few. <laughs> that probably is our most popular, it's most often recurring segment. Often is recurring what's wrong with Sam's segment. car? So I'll share uh, a little internal misery with you folks. Uh, I had to bring my car to the shop. I had been putting it off. So, and, and to be fair, the last two times I had brought the car to the shop, I would gotten good luck. Very good luck. Been very, very uh, lucky. Now, is that like when you left the mechanic with your car, they said, oh, good luck? Well, or were you actually That lucky? was more like this time. Oh, okay. uh, basically, in terms of price, like last time I went, it was something that had been fixed recently within a year and a half, so I didn't have to pay for it. Sure. The time before that, I thought it was a concern. It was something else. They're like, no, don't worry. We'll just fix the thing that's wrong, and you can go. This one was the exact opposite, and I'm sure someone has done this move before. You go in to the uh, to the car dealership or the car repair shop, and you have an idea what's wrong with your car. So in your head, you have this sort of mentality, like, all right, this is the price range I'm thinking of. I think this is what's wrong with my car. Mm-hmm. I was so far off with what was wrong with my car. Uh, I was flabbergasted. And it, it broke bad this time for it you. It is bad. It is not great. So whole weekend without a car. I'm on day four without a car, actually. It's true. It sucks. I got oh. so used to having a car, it's tough to, like... They have to go catch that subway train. Oh, <laughs> no, I miss the subway. I wish the subway were here. Why Dude, where would here? you go with the subway if it was here? Just Bank Square, I assume, right? <laughs> Just a Bank Square, South Utica, downtown Utica subway. Um, 
All right. Uh, that's actually all the housekeeping I have for this week. I have a crummy it? car, and it's a lackluster Halloween, and we're not going to talk too much about the elections. We'll save it for next week. Anything okay. You, anything you want to add before we move on to uh, Mara? I mean, I could There's. I could always add so many things. There's many things to add. <laughs> Excited to have Joe Marino here. Um, yes, yeah. Local councilman and Dan Marino's nephew, both cool things. Um, <laughs> yeah, really, really excellent, uh, really excellent interview this week. I, I haven't, have I wasn't around when you did the interview, so I wasn't sure if he talked about his party, but I was really bummed that I missed his... Uh, his little get-together down at Aquavino on Thursday. I mm. couldn't get out of work in time. Mm. But that's a cool thing to do in yeah. your city and have a thing where, like, you have a requested donation, so it's not like, look, we're going to hit you up for a cover charge, but it's like if you'd like to, you know, get in and participate, yeah. do the right thing. That's a cool way to get out and meet your constituents and sort of get people together is have this party. And, like, Aquavino always does a good job for banquets and stuff. Yeah. I thought that was a neat idea. Yeah, no, he's uh, – he, it's a good idea. He's – um. More than most people, you know, and and look, I, I know that if you're a politician to any level, whether it's local, national, whatever, um, you do have to play a certain amount of the game, right? When sure. You're, when, yeah, you're, yeah. when you're doing an interview, when you're doing mm-hmm. a podcast or I whatever I think that's it is, 100%. Yeah, that's fair. You're that's always, expected. You're explaining. I will say this. From my opinion, I don't know if Joe is better at playing the game than anybody else or if he was just that open with us. Mm-hmm. He was very open. We talked about a lot of stuff. He was very candid, which was very nice. It was very... Uh, refreshing to have a, a guy like that be so open and candid. That's probably one of yeah. the nice things when you're on like uh, a local common council like that, as yeah. opposed to being like a senator where you have a little bit more leeway because there's not you know tens and hundreds of thousands of different permutations of people can get pissed at you for something you mm. say. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I know what you mean. Um, all right, let's uh, let's let's move into uh, let's bring Mara in. We might as well start working on this. So it looks like we have some trick or treaters on the way up to the house. Tons of trick or treaters. Oh, the neighborhood is overrun right now. Docked. Over us. Should we go trick or treating? No. Well, we did. We did the the smartest move ever. We just bought extra candy, and then when they're all done, we'll have extra candy. See, I think we start asking the kids to come to the door. What, well, like, what houses have? Like, who's got the good mm, candies? Then we, you go yes. walk up there in your dinosaur costume. You know how unsettling it would be for a thirty year old man solo in a dinosaur costume to go knock on doors. Yeah, I do because I'm sitting across from him. Hey, let's get into it. disappointed that in the 10 minutes you were out there in the green room no one came to get candy from you not a single little ghoul or goblin came to me <laughs> i'm so disappointed i was ready you scared away all the booze and ghouls that happens, that happens um, a lot. you know we didn't talk about it uh we had planned on bringing up this episode uh but you after last week's episode sort of uh, jumped the gun and we talked about it off the air uh mara welcome to your first official episode as a permanent member Woo-hoo-hoo. of of the Unicast, do you feel? Yay! Yeah, it's a golf clap. Why aren't you clapping? I don't understand. <laughs> Kevin, she's mad you're not clapping. Do you need the validation? You don't that need bad? this. You need to be clapping for me. You need to say please. This is a big moment. This is a big moment. All right, we're gonna do that again. Um, Yay! Yay! Oh wow! 
question continues to not respond. All right, so I've changed my mind. I will not be coming back to the podcast. Uh, me well, either. I quit. <laughs> this is just me back again. Like episode one all over again. Uh, I was 100% on episode one. Episode one of Famo and the Wookiee when it was just mm. Famo. Uh, Yikes. You know, before the Unicast existed, in my mind, when there wasn't a show, it was just called the Famo cast. It was just going to be me. And then I realized I could not do 45 minutes of lone commentary. Or, well, I could, but, who, <laughs> but who'd want to hear it? Nobody, except wrestling nerds and dinosaur idiots like me. Um, but, Mara, so that do, does mean a couple things. We are going to have to, one, take some promo photography, because all of our old pictures have me and Kevin from when we were beardless, oh. uh, and probably from an age when you were, like, young from yeah. the picture. Yeah, I... I should I start growing my beard out so we all match, or? Did you not I read about already? what you had. <laughs> did you? Did, 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 did you ah, I, that was good. Thanks for that one. So, uh, guys, uh, before we move on, uh, we are going to move away from some Halloween stuff. Wait, if she's in here, who's doing candy right now? Who is doing candy right now? Is just nobody? Who? Waldo? Who? Who? Oh, no. Oh, no. Mr. Maiden Utica is doing candy, oh. it seems like. He's probably telling the kids all the terrible things that candy does to your teeth and rots your gums and makes you fat. Uh, hey, speaking of which, I do have an interesting story based on that. What, rotting your gums? Cool. Yeah, kind of. Okay. Uh, you ever think to yourself, man, I ate so much Halloween candy, I'm probably going to die? That was last night. That was last night? Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, now you guys can know the real answer according to Vice.com. Based on sugar content, it would take... 264 fun size candy bars or 1,627 pieces of candy corn to actually kill you from the amount of sugar intake it would give you, which works out to about five and a half pounds of sugar. That's how much you would have to eat Jeez. in one sitting. That sounds like torture. You could kill someone with that much candy corn. Candy you, corn is the worst. Candy corn is terrible. It's disgusting. It's one of the worst. Uh, I will say, though, 262 fun-sized candy bars is a lot of candy, mind you. I, I just want a prerequisite that that's way more candy than ever anyone ever needs. It is doable. But when you say, yeah, when you say 262, <laughs> it does sound kind of doable. <laughs> Makes you start challenge. thinking, doing math in your head, being like, you're like, all right. <laughs> so 24 hours in a day, that's, uh, let's see, was that 17 candy bars an hour? You got the wrong guy. Uh, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I thought that... Uh, so, uh, I guess, like, my follow-up question is, if you decided that this was the moment and you were going to end it by eating fun-sized candy bars, what candy bar do you realistically think you could take a shot for 262 pieces of? Peanut butter cups. Reese's oh, peanut butter yeah. cups. Yeah. Do they all, they all have to be the same piece, though? Like, the same kind for, of candy? For sake of this For question. sake of argument. Because yeah. right. realistically, you want to mix it up, is what you would do yeah. if you had Either, to. like, Snickers or um, Reese's. Mm -hmm. But a the trees. I like the trees. Can we count oh. Snickers ice cream bars? Because I would happily. Six happily, of those, and they'll kill you. Happily. <laughs> <laughs> I would... I think I would honestly... Like... 1,627 pieces of candy corn, I don't know if I could do it. I think, like, over a week, I don't know if I could do it. Over a month, I couldn't do it. Not in my whole like, lifetime, would, I couldn't. We had, a, we had this bet last week. You'll appreciate this, maybe. We were to, Kevin does not care for onions, particularly. It's because they're gross. Terrible. Yeah, doesn't like onions. <laughs> I'm, I like onions. Raw onions very much. Raw onion, particularly. Raw onions. That's cook, I can cook onions in with stuff. I use them in cooking. There is a large red onion that's in our kitchen. It's been there for about two weeks. It's about the size of a grapefruit. It is. And the debate around the house is how much money would it cost you, or would it cost someone, 
for you to eat that onion like an apple. I'll do it. But how much money? Like, like what's what's your what selling would be your point? Price? I mean, what's the what's the tipping point? Because however much you want to pay me, I'll do it. But I, so, I'll probably okay. Like at least let's start right. Let's start low then. At least okay. Oh, low. let's start. Let's start low. Let's say a hundred dollars. If I give you a hundred dollars, you have to finish the onion. You have one hour. Hundred dollars. Would you do it? I mean, I'd rather do it for more, but I could. So you could do it. I could do it for a hundred bucks, but I would need a little in that more case, incentive. Let's get the video camera. Yeah, hundred dollars. <laughs> oh, I got hundred on me. You heard it, folks. She, I told her there was no Wait, video today. Can I, but... I have to just eat it by itself. I can't put cheese. No, on you it. have to eat it like an apple. Like an itself, apple. You, have, you can't cut it up. You can't anything. You have to bite right into it. Straight raw red onion. Yeah, yeah. you can okay. take like the papery skin off, but that's about it. Ooh, okay, yeah, that's fair. I'll do it. Okay, hundred dollars. See, that's <laughs> that's pretty low. I think I said that's yeah. I said a low number, but I thought I could make more money than what I would actually do it for. I would do it for on the cheap. I like onions. I would. I would push. What's, the so price, what's what's yeah. your lowest number? My lowest number. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I. I think mine's a hundred. In a in a moment of weakness, like depends how desperate I am for money, but like. I would lose some dignity with it. Sixteen, seventeen dollars is very, you know, depends on what I gotta buy. What can I, what can I, what do I need right this minute? You know, Jeez, you people are sick. <laughs> what about you? What's your, what's your onion? Twenty five hundred to sit me down at the table. <laughs> Twenty five hundred to sit him at the table. You know what? Well, the key to that bet, and we we had to make a point about this. You have to finish it. Yeah. You can't start the onion in the hour and not finish the onion yeah. to get the money. You got to finish it. Oh. That's the thing. Yeah. I don't know if I could finish it. I'm just curious what that does to my digestive system. It can't be any worse than the 262 fun size candy bars we're gonna eat after this is all over. That's a good point. Uh, I don't know how. How do we get in onions? I don't, I don't know. know, man. You're the showrunner. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, well, I wanted to get, I started with Halloween stuff, but uh, anyway, so there you go. Try not to eat 262 pieces of candy or 1,627 pieces of candy corn or a whole onion. Try not to eat any of those things if possible. Uh, guys, I have a story that I, that I heard today. This is another one I found on Vice, and this is maybe my favorite story of the year, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you ever think to yourself, you know, Kev, you're, we're, we're getting at the age where we've probably thought about buying a house of our own. Right? Mar, have you ever thought about buying your own house? Nope. No. Unless it was one of those tiny houses. All right. Well, what's the reason why you've never thought about buying a house? Um, like real, like the number one reason that comes to your mind. Honestly, I don't need that much space. Mm. I really don't. Because then I have to clean all of it. Mm. Well, I always think to myself, really, like, how would I ever afford a house? Right? Like, I, yeah. I struggle living in an apartment. Like, how would I pay for a house? Yeah, absolutely. It's cheaper to it's, buy a house. You need the money where... up front, but mm-hmm. then sometimes yeah. it becomes cheaper than paying mm-hmm. the rent. Well, how do you get that money up front is really the question. Steal. Eat onions. Steal an steal interesting. Steal and eat a lot of onions. Eat onions for money. An inter- <laughs> both interesting takes. Let me tell you a story about a Chinese woman really uh, who it. found a new method of putting a down payment on her house. Uh, this story is again from Vice. Uh, a Chinese, a, a Chinese woman uh, went out of her way because she could not afford the down payment on a new house in China's uh, historically bad housing market. She went on to ask. All 20 of her boyfriends, in a gesture of love, to purchase her a new iPhone 7. All 20 of the boyfriends went ahead and purchased said iPhone 7s. Uh, they, she then took all 20 phones and flipped them uh, on the Chinese resale market for 120,000 yen, which works out to about, oh... $17,700. How do you get 20 boyfriends? That's Okay, first off, that's that's number one. How yeah, that Sam, work? how'd you get your 20 boyfriends? 
I, uh, I am a generous lover. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I am a gracious lover. Uh, no, uh, first off, that's the key. One, how do you have how do you have 20 boyfriends who all bought you a cell phone and you don't confuse them? And how do they not know about each other, right? Maybe they do know and don't care. Yeah, mm. that's a good point. That's a kind of a, this is kind of a power move, though. See, but I thought you were going to be talking about that one story, the women at weddings that are letting men grope them for money. No, is have this you a story? Heard about that? No, I yeah, have not. There's like videos of these women at their weddings and they're trying to make money to pay off their weddings or for whatever reason. And they're like, they're giving away basically themselves at the weddings. And they're literally like exposing themselves at weddings and letting men like put their hands down their dresses and like the front of their shirts and everything and groping them for money. It's crazy. Look it up. I swear to God. This Unless I dropped it. Rep- it's interesting. Is this a Republican wedding? I don't No, oh, it was oh, oh, oh. it was in like it was doing. in like China or yeah. I don't remember exactly where it was, but I've seen like four videos on it now and it's like oh this, this I can give a what's what what can market rate for a squeeze possibly be amongst adults? Like I can imagine if you got like seventeen year olds, they have no money. But I like, mean, at weddings you have stupid games all the time where you're just dropping money. I mean, it's a wedding. People sure, are sure, but I'm saying like at twenty dollars a grope, it takes you a long time to get any kind of real money to pay off a wedding. There's and, a line of men. And not to be inappropriate, if you want to get a grope at a wedding, all you do is you catch the bouquet. <laughs> go to the wedding, or you or you catch pretty the, much just go, just to, go the to the wedding. wedding. <laughs> I've been to many weddings. Um, oh yikes. Well, it's true. Uh, <laughs> guys, uh, we're going to go into this week's interview. Just a reminder, I didn't notice this until this weekend. It's daylight savings time this weekend, folks. So remember oh. to uh, fall back. Is that what it is? Oh. Spring forward and fall back. I so do wish is... you would fall Wait, back. So, so we I guess get, I'll take that. We get, we get an hour. Okay. We get I an extra do. hour. I need that. So remember, folks, set your clocks back this weekend. Fall back after this weekend. And let's get into this week's interview, um, which... I know we went a little bit short for this segment, but uh, this is one of the longest, if not the longest, interview we've ever had on the show. Uh, Joe Marino, Fourth Ward Councilman, uh, sat down and casually broke the record like it was no big thing. Uh, Joe has been a big part of Utica for almost 30-plus years. He's been a longtime citizen. He's a Proctor High School graduate, uh, Utica College, SUNY Poly. He's done it all, found his way into local government, uh, and as I mentioned in the beginning, gave us... Maybe our most candid conversation we've ever had with a political figure on this show. It's a great, great interview. I was almost tempted to cut it into two parts and make it for two weeks in a row, but I figured it was better uh, for you folks to hear the full interview because it was a really, really fascinating time. Uh, Here is my sit-down with 4-4 Councilman Joe Marino, and we'll be back in just a moment. you to come in here and tell me you were a man. Yeah, man, you guy. Um, you know, I've liked him forever, and I'll tell you why. You know, I like soccer just, you know, I I, I don't know if you're ingrained as an Italian to just kind of like mm. Calcio, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I don't know if it just happens. But I didn't grow up playing soccer ever. No. no. You know, I just, in one year, about 1998-ish, when, uh, 97-ish, when the Yankees, I'm a huge Yankee fan. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, so everybody, who's your favorite football team? The Yankees. Who's your favorite basketball team? The Yankees. Yankees. I'm too busy <laughs> with the Yankees, you know. So, at one time, when the Yankees started at Yes Network, it was just yep. coming out, they got the rights to play Man U games. Yes, I remember that. So, I just kind of picked up watching mm-hmm. Manchester United 
from the Yes Network. And now that I think that I don't think they play Man U anymore. They actually may play Liverpool uh, games. Well, no, they they played a couple weeks ago, and I think does the Yes Network no 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 yes, rights? No, no so now. Uh, NBC Sports is like, yeah, yeah, the yeah, Premier yeah. League. They do everything for Premier right, League. right, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 but I'm telling you, Yes Network does something. With, yes Network uh, does um, New York City FC, which is an ML, the MLS. Yeah, team. and the MLS yeah, yeah. team. Yeah, I've been to that. Sta- I've been to Yankee Stadium to see. Oh, have you? Uh, a New York City FC game in the stadium. It's a very interesting experience. Yeah, how do you? In, if you're in right field, I mean, you got to be weird. a half a mile away from. The, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's person. weird. It's it's certainly strange. Yeah, it's an odd experience. Um, it's almost. It's hard to describe without some sort of uh, visual representation, but right, the right, field right. is almost almost looks like a rhombus because of the way it has to <laughs> yeah, yeah, fit yeah. inside the yeah, baseball yeah. stadium. Right. Uh, well, I'm glad to see we've gotten a minute and a half in. We've only talked about Manchester United. <laughs> uh, Joe Marino, fourth ward councilman. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Um, let pull back the curtain for a minute. You know, you've been very helpful to to us at least, especially with the Franklin uh, Square film series. Um, and we really appreciated it, and uh, that was actually probably the first time, in my opinion, that I, I met you and put two and two together, who you were, yeah. and every time I see you at these events. So it's a real pleasure to have you on the show, finally. I feel like I should have had you on beforehand. Yeah, no, listen, first of all, it's my pleasure. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, anything that I can do in the regard of, you know, getting involved with, you know, young, energetic mm-hmm. Uticans that really, you know, have, uh, you know, we, we call them homers, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. like team sports, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. So um, it, it really is my honor to be here um, and, you know, to help with those kind of things. And, you know, look, if I had at that point, because I felt like you at your age, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not much older, I'm 36 years old, but um, I'm a generation older, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And if I had someone that was, you know, kind of young and and involved that had access to what, I do for you guys. Yeah, I would have wished that they would have done that at that time because I would have loved to have done things, and I don't think I even have close to the vision that you guys have now. So I don't know if I would have even been that intelligent to put those things together. But for for you to thank me is almost uh, ironic because I thank you for what you do. Well, you know, look, I think I think more than anything else, we get. Um I think people are sometimes confused by the concept of like made Utica what it is we do, mm-hmm. and even the podcast. Sometimes I, you know, for as much feedback as I get, positive feedback on the podcast, a lot of times I'll tell people, "Oh, I work on this podcast." They go, "Oh, what's a podcast?" Right, right, right. right so yeah. I think a lot of it is more than anything else. This is in my head. I think a lot of it is timing. I think technology and the ability to do uh, what we do with Made in Utica and the Uticast is now readily available to us. Whereas sure. five, ten years ago, I would say this would not have existed. I didn't have the technology to make this happen on my own merit. Right. I didn't really understand how to get it out there to the world. That's like one of the, the pros and cons about today's society. It's like there's so many avenues to get your stuff out there now. Yeah. But because of that, the market is flooded with people who are trying to get their own opinions out. And it's sure. kind of hard to sift through the stuff sometimes. Well, even an older generation can liken it to a cable network. Oh, or yeah. A, you know, cable television, mm. you know... Even when I was growing up, I mean, there were about 100 television stations. When my dad was growing up, there was, I think, five. You know, so there's a lot of avenues, right? And, you know, things are exploding. So um, I think more information is good information. If you can point and click and get to something that you want to see, then you have access to it. I work with with high school kids. I work for one of the colleges, and I work at one of the high schools around here. And uh, they are always, they always get a good laugh at me because I'll always throw something like, you don't understand, I used to be able to drive up to the cable company. It was Heron Cable. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Knock on the door. Exactly right. Hey, man. Yeah. No, Um, yeah, you couldn't just go get a clicker right all, you know, all of a sudden. Yeah, you had to wait and, you know, do all that thing. But, um, yeah, no, everything's instant access now. I have young children. Oh, yeah. You know, and they all, every one of them has an iPod Touch. Oh, yeah. And yep. they, you know, my nine-year-olds, I have twin nine-year-olds, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old. Mm. 
And, you know, now my nine-year-olds are Googling anything. Yeah. You know, like when I wanted to look up information, I had to go get an encyclopedia. Oh, yeah. And, oh, like, yeah. dig through it. Now they're like, Dad, what's the tallest building in the world? You know, it would take me three days to figure oh. that out when I was nine years old. Now they just Google it. You know what I mean? So it's rough for, for me to kind of relate. As an educator, I have to go, I have to, like, I fall in a weird line with that. Like, sometimes I'll be in class and the kid will ask me a question. It's like, I need an example of figurative literature. And I'm like, all right, give me a minute. And then I got to go to, like, my computer and be like, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. what are we doing here for this? <laughs> sure. Like, but no, I can't show them that I'm doing that, though. Um, right. Joe, I want to get into, I just, I want to get a little bit into uh, some, some backline information here with you. But one of the things, I do want to get out of the way beforehand. Just want to get it out of the way. Sure. Um, how long have you been getting jokes about Dan Marino, Joe Marino, have you had to deal uh, with that since you were growing up? You're right in the age range, I feel like, where that's, that's yeah, pretty prominent. It was it was an issue. I'll tell you, though, there are pros and cons, though, because, you know, my brother lived in South Florida oh, yeah. um, when I was growing up. I have four brothers, uh, three brothers and two si- sisters, so there were six of us. And one of my brothers is a chef, and he moved to Boca Raton, which mm-hmm. is, yeah. you know, about 45 minutes oh, away yeah. from Miami. And when we would go down there, we would visit a game. And my mom, uh, you know, was, you know, my hero. And she Mm. had no real governor on her mouth. And she said what she felt. And that was it. And I don't care. So we would go to Miami games at the time. It was Joe Robbie Stadium. I don't don't know what it's called now. but Yeah, some life stadium or something random. Yeah, so, you know, my father and mother being Dan Marino, the quarterback, um, we were, you know, a pseudo-Dolphins family, too. (laughs) Yeah, of course. So we would go to the stadium, and you could not imagine the parking that we got at that stadium. My mother would show her license and go, you have no idea who I am. That's amazing. You have no idea. And she wouldn't say. She wouldn't go, I'm Dan Marino's aunt. I'm Dan Marino's mother. She'll go, look at my license. Yeah. I'm parking in there. So we would park right next to the players. That's amazing. You know, we would be we would have the best amenities because of uh, uh, my mom. She would she would get us everywhere with that. Well, you kind of answered the question for me. I was curious because in my opinion, I grew up like a big sports guy. Again, mm-hmm. Knicks, Yankees, um, you know, like I, I guess what's the other a Bills fan, but my family was Giants fans. Yeah. If there was a player on any one of the teams that I was, or any team in general whose last name was Famolaro, who was like an all-timer, yeah. I feel like I would have to at least get the jersey. I feel like it would be important for yeah. me to at least somehow recognize it. Um, but that's okay. That's all I wanted. To, I just wanted to bring it up Yeah, once. no, it happened. But I'll can... tell you, there was many more pros than cons. I mean, you had to get a joke here and there, but let me tell you, when I'm walking three inches to a stadium, oh, yeah. I mean, it was all right when I was 12 or 13 <laughs> well, I, years old. I had to get it out of the way. Yeah, I sure. To, like... I still hear it now. I mean, it's, it's a little less prevalent because, you know, he's only the CBS guy now. But, uh, yeah, he was one of the all-time greats. And we, you know, when we go down there, we go to, like, uh, you know, a sporting goods store or yeah. something like that. They go, oh, my God, are you? No, we're not. No. <laughs> no. No. Uh, so I did a little bit of research because I am a professional journalist, as I talk many times about on the show. Sure. Uh, so you, it seems like from my research I did uh, basically on Facebook, you were born in this area then. You grew up here? Born and raised in Utica, New York. Wonderful. Lifelong. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you were a Parker High School graduate. Yeah, I went to, uh, I went to General Herkimer Elementary mm-hmm. yep. School in North Utica. I actually grew up on Keys Road from zero to nine. Um, and it was kind of great. I used to, you know, my kindergarten class was right directly across the street from my house. Mm-hmm. And I would, uh, on occasion, cause all kinds of havoc. I would sneak out of the, the window oh, yeah. and go right <laughs> home in uh, kindergarten. So I don't you know, I don't like to tell my kids that. And, you know, when, you know, they're, when they're 21 and they listen to this podcast, then I'll, I'll tell them all about it. But, uh, yeah, I went to General Herkimer High, uh, junior uh, uh, elementary school, and then, Went right to Kennedy because uh, mm-hmm. then I moved. My family moved over there. Yep. In North Utica, we you know we call it uh, the three sections of North Utica: the yeah. General Herkimer side, the JFK side, and the Jefferson, Jefferson side. side. Yeah. 
So uh, we moved to the JFK side, and it was a junior high, and went to 7th and 8th there, and went to Proctor High School. Uh, what, was your, uh, what was your experience at Proctor? Like, I'm only curious because yeah. I, I tend to wax poetic to the kids a lot about uh, Proctor High School and how it's gotten a bad reputation. And yeah. You, yeah, but I, I'm curious to see what you think about what your life was like when you were there. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, when I was there, it was a little bit different because we had, um, you know, now we have, quote-unquote, two high schools. So we yes. have Notre Dame and, and Proctor. Right. When I was there, they were just closing what was called UFA yeah, at the time. Academy, yeah. You know, so because, it, you know, when I was in junior high, they were opening it and closing it. Yeah. And should ninth grade go to Proctor? Should ninth grade not? Um, so when I went there, that was like one of the first couple of years mm-hmm. of all those kids in one location. And I, I've said this forever. Proctor High School, I'll answer your question directly, was amazing. Mm-hmm. I had one of the best times in my life in high school. Yeah. Now, look. The problem is that it's appealing to the Observer Dispatch to say that there's a fist fight somewhere sure. between a couple of kids, right? So I've said this until, and I'll continue to. Mm. You put 3,000 Jesuits in one building, two of them are going to have a problem with, yeah, with one sure. another. So the problem with, with Proctor High School isn't the students, it's not the teachers, that's mm. for sure. It's the fact that there's a lot of adolescent kids in one particular location for eight hours at a time. Mm. So... When that happens, I mean, look, it's an inner city school, not unlike Brooklyn or the Bronx. I mean, it has, you know, mm-hmm. impoverished children. It has every walk mm-hmm. of life of a person. So there's a lot of people mm-hmm. in one building. But my experience was tremendous. Yeah. I, I, you know, um, I played baseball my whole life. I played <laughs> yeah. football up Wonderful. until about ninth grade when, you know, ninth, uh, you know, I'm not very tall. I'm 5'6". <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, Sam. But uh, uh, so when everyone, you know, in around ninth grade in high school started getting really big, I had to oh, really yeah. scale back my football playing career oh, yeah. yep. and, uh, and focus on my baseball career. So um, I played sports my whole life. I felt like that was a very integral part of uh, my academic career because if I didn't do well in school, I couldn't go to practice. I wasn't allowed to play, right. you know, the game. So... Um, Proctor High School does get a bad reputation, but I will say this. The teachers there are second to none, oh, yeah. literally. Mm-hmm. In the entire country, they are some of the best teachers in the country. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's just a lot of kids. So per capita, I mean, you know, there's yeah. really not that many problems. I always thought it was overblown. Even when I was there, I graduated Proctor in 2004, and, um, you know, I- I've been back many times, certainly. Yeah. One of the things I tell a lot of the kids when I talk to them is... Proctor prepares you for the real world in a way that a lot of other schools cannot. Uh, it has yeah. that diversity oh, and no that question. ability to meet people and other people from different backgrounds, which even now when I speak to the kids, they know that now. They're aware of the benefit that it gives them being around other cultures and other diversities, whereas I saw kids who grew up in schools that not for their own purpose. I wouldn't call these kids, you know, like they have issues with it, but they, they were not surrounded by diversity in the way that I was. So when they come to visit me in New York... They're surprised by what the world really looks like. I said the same thing. You know, when I had my friends that were in, you know, New Hartford or or Notre Dame and take nothing away from the academic career that they, because clearly that's, that's, you know, an A plus Mm. uh, curriculum. But, you know, I've said this forever. My family did a lot of, uh, my mom owned a store. We did a lot of business in New York. My grandparents, Mm. you know, lived in New York. So we spent a lot of time in Manhattan. And when I got to be of age where I can go down there myself, you know, 17, 18 for a day trip or something when, you know, I would be relinquished by my mother's care for a few minutes <laughs> you know the the friends that i had there were were in awe of the people that oh, they yeah. seen grasping at their wallets or you know yeah. clutching at yeah. their vests because they're so afraid of what they don't know mm-hmm. and i've said that then but you're the unknown yeah and I, i'll tell you this though uh sam the biggest thing that i could tell you is 
most people say generation generationally kids get worse and worse. You know, mm. the swearing becomes more the uh, you know the yeah, yeah. sexual kind of things that go yeah, on and sure. kids and they know more at a younger age kind of yeah. thing. I'll tell you this. 100%. When I graduated from Proctor, um, our valedictorian had a very difficult time getting into Colgate. Mm-hmm. Now we have the Hilda Jordans. We have the Delvin Moody's. We have the Trin Trunks. Mm-hmm. They're getting into Ivy League schools. Oh, yeah. And at a rate that's astronomical, they're not just scooting into one. They're getting accepted into several. So that kind of thing, uh, you know... W- that's the kind of thing that I've been pushing to the OD. Sure. You know, uh, you know. Now I have a little bit more access to the media. Hey, go check this out. I think last year's class of Proctor's graduates, uh, the top ten were female. Yeah, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the kind of things that we do need. And I think community wide, we need to make sure that the the people like the OD, people like WKTV, you know, have access to thousands of eyeballs at a time. Yeah, that they know these things because if all they know is that you know a couple of kids got into a fist fight in the parking lot and it turned ugly. That's what they're going to put. Yeah. So we have to do a better job, and I've, I've been working with the school district to do a better job at promoting these items, mm. You know, getting these, these bits of information out there, forcing them to say it. Yeah. Don't tell them anything. Don't let them even have access to your security department. Yeah. The only thing that they should have access to for the next six months is your academic department. Mm. You know, And just give them the information that they need. Because I don't know if it's really newsworthy mm. that there was a fight somewhere. No, because I'm sure that fights happen in other areas. I mean, not to yeah. say that there are any many, you know, that many anymore. But um, fights but, in other areas make it onto page six, not page one. Oh, if they yeah. make it at all, you know. But listen, <laughs> exactly. you know, if there's a chess club in, you know, in another part of the town that's in the region, I mean, that's the front page news. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, so we have to do a better job of communicating, and I think we are now. We're yeah. getting there. Last For few sure. years. So I think that's the problem. It's the communication. So Joe, following. Uh, 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 following high school, you went to uh, Utica College. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe I have this here. Uh, corporate accounting was your major? Yeah, um, accounting in general. Actually, yeah. uh, I went to Syracuse University for a little while. Sure. At the time, Utica College was right. giving the same degree. Yes. Um, I graduated. Yeah. I think my last, my class, uh, 2002, was the last class that uh, that offered a Syracuse diploma. Yeah, I remember that. So you know, we were there, and we, you know, going back and forth, and my, like I said, my family's a big part of my life, and they were still doing my laundry and cooking my dinner. Oh, yeah. So why drive forty five minutes? Oh, I wanted man. to be home. <laughs> so, uh, so I went to Utica College. I, um, I actually went to be a lawyer. I, I got involved with right. my undergrad career to try to be a lawyer, and uh, you know, a friend of mine who was a lawyer said, "Listen, if you're going to be a lawyer, the one of the biggest regrets I've ever had was not knowing the numeric side mm. of law." So. Go in your undergrad and concentrate on accounting, sure. and then this way, when you do get to the you know the master's yeah. part and the JD part, um, then you're really really prepared. So I said okay. So a, a very good friend of mine and ours now obviously is a public figure, Anthony Brindisi, and oh, yeah. we were talking yep. about that kind of thing. So he went, he, his, he majored in history, and I majored in accounting, and he was going to be a lawyer, and so was I, and um, he was in you know a lot of the gray area of law at the time, and his family's big, uh, sure. you know they have a big law firm in the area. So I didn't actually care for a lot of the gray area. I mean, mm-hmm. the science of accounting really appealed to me more. Mm-hmm. So instead of actually taking my career in accounting and bringing it to law, I took my career in accounting and brought it to more accounting and more business. Right. Um, because, you know, like I always say, 2 plus 2 is 4 in Bangladesh, and it's 4 on Bleecker Street. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, yeah. you can't debate it. You, you know, there's no getting around it. So, yeah, so I finished my, uh, my accounting degree from Utica College and, uh, and maintained it. Now, I'm only curious because... Um I was never, I was never good at math. I was always a history, always an English guy, yeah. uh, creative side of things. 
Were you always like a numbers guy? No. Would you call yourself a numbers guy? I would always say that I was, um, uh, you know, uh, even tempered and leveled enough to, you know, uh, appreciate the science of math. Mm-hmm. I'm a sure. big science guy. Okay. You know, All right. I'm a you know huge Neil deGrasse Tyson ah, fan. You know, um, big fan on the show over here. Yeah, yeah, I love you know that kind of. Yeah. Real talk, you know, not mm. over speaking. Um, you know, let's get into the facts. Let's talk mm. about the facts. Let's put them into practical, mm. you know, purposes. So I've always been in the science, but no, I mean, I did really well in um, in my math section of high school. But I'll tell you, to be honest with you, I didn't really become a decent student until college. You know, I was yeah. an okay student in mm. high school, but I wasn't in the top of my class by any means. Um, you know, like I said, I. You can really, if you look at my transcripts from high school, you could see when baseball season was. Oh yeah, I was getting all A's and B's during baseball season, and all you know, low B's and C's, and you know, not. So, um, I didn't really put my head on straight. I would say, and my wife is a big part of that. My wife and I've been together a long time. My wife uh, was a really tremendous, solid piece mm-hmm. of my life to really get me going. You know, sure. I mean, because there are plenty of paths for anybody to you know go hang out at a bar all the time and mm-hmm. and things like that. And um, my wife said, look, you know. We're going to have to build a life eventually. And I don't know if you're going to really earn a lot of income, you know, playing baseball all the time and, you know, hanging out and having a beer with the guys all the time. So, you know, let's balance that. And, you know, my brother uh, gave me the best advice I've ever gotten in my life, my brother Frankie, who, uh, you know, is a great guy. Um, He said, he goes, Joe, I know you think that the party's now when you're 18 and you guys are having a good time. He goes, the party's when you're 65 and on a boat in Miami. Yes. That's the party. Mm-hmm. Right now is fun, but the party's not until you're, you know, mm-hmm. get you get your life together. So, you know, I wasn't a, I wasn't a, a bad student, but I wasn't a great student. But um, yeah, my math career uh, was null and void until about uh, until about college, and it really picked yeah. up. We talk. I'm a, I'm in grad school currently for adolescent education. So one of the major concepts that we talk about in a lot of these classes is uh, differentiated content. And of course, uh, the the rate at which kids learn. Mm-hmm. And I, I sort of think about it in that aspect. At the age of high school, my high school and early college career, I couldn't do math to save my life. Sure. I just couldn't do stats, couldn't do math, couldn't do algebra. And now, as I'm in my early 30s, and I have, am granted this opportunity to, to like help kids with some of this math stuff, it now sort of makes more sense to me, which in mine, like maybe my head is in a different space now where I can understand this, which again, sort of backs up the argument that I feel like is there that people learn at different rates and it's hard to judge a kid in school for not knowing something because maybe that just hasn't come to them yet. It takes a long time. Everyone's different. Everyone sort of works in a different way. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, you know, that your your students would be very well served with a teacher that knows that. I mean, not yeah. every teacher knows that, right? Mm. Because frustration becomes a point. Mm. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how many teachers, you know, have guided kids away from academics, yeah. you know what I mean, because of frustration or because of lack of, you know, now some people just shouldn't be in the professions that they're in, yeah. you know what well, I mean? So, um, that's a different conversation. Sure, well, it, takes, <laughs> it takes an understanding, right? So that's a good point, you know, it's something that I hadn't really considered, but you're right, people, I, I coach my sons in baseball, and mm-hmm. we have 12 kids that are nine years old, yeah. and they learn at different rates there. So and my wife's a uh, elementary school teacher and you know but that's a good point people do learn yeah. at different rates and I'm a prime example I'll tell you right now I always it's, it's the simplest way I think about it is rates and methods uh, if you give a kid a book to read and say read this book and tell me what you thought about it and they read it and they don't understand it have them watch a video of it have them watch a video on the internet of it as well because some people don't gauge anything from reading a book some people gauge something from watching it presented to them in a different format sure some people gauge it from you know having someone lecture it to them as opposed to 
reading it on their own. It just depends on how people gauge information, how they take things. Yeah. In. Uh, I want to get a little bit into uh, into 2011, which was the first time you ran for a common council. First time I ran for anything. First time I ran for anything. Mm-hmm. Can you walk me a little bit through what that process was like and uh, and how you even got interested in the first place? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, again, uh, you know, a friend of mine and I, uh, Anthony, mm-hmm. were uh, you know we're pretty close. Our wives were best friends growing up, and sure. we met through that through them. And uh, when we were about 16 or so, and we've been friends ever since. And we actually live a few houses away from each other. So I tell this story all the time. Um, you know, we were sitting in our backyard, kind of not unlike what Made in Utica does a lot. Mm. You know, talk about how we can enhance our area in some capacity or another. Mm. Uh, my mother was involved in politics a long, long time in, sure. in the city of Utica. She was born in the 30s and, you know, uh, passed away in 2014. Mm. Thank you. No, thank you. She was, uh, yeah, she was a great lady, but she was involved in politics. And... Uh, her Anthony's dad was involved in politics, so our wheels spun in a different direction. I don't know if that's why, but I know that that's a mm. fact. That his mm. dad was, you know, had some things, and my mom had some things. So we were sitting down, and we said, "Oh, you know, I wish this would happen. I wish that would happen." So uh, we both, obviously, Anthony being a lawyer and myself being an accountant, we had decent jobs. We were raising yeah. our families. We said, "Let's do something about it." You know, I sit here an armchair quarterback. Let's get out there and do something. We yeah. want to be big politicians and. Uh, it turns out Anthony, you know, scaled back his approach to not wanting to be a big politician because yeah. now he's one of the biggest yeah, in the area. It's true. It's but true. when we started, we said, "Look, <laughs> let's go for you know, I'll run for the common council." Anthony said, "Great, I'll run for the school board. Let's see what we can make a difference yeah. in." You know, these are you know part time jobs. They're made to be part time jobs. They're meant to be for professionals, um, you know, that are just interested in the community. So we said, "Fine, let's do it." Uh, and that was around 2010. So the following election, we were looking for places to uh, you know fit in. And uh, in my particular case, I uh, I was going to run for the common council in, in my area. You know, I moved to East Utica uh, when I was about 24-ish uh, with my wife, and uh, we were starting a family. And when I was there, um, you know, obviously my family all being from East sure. Utica. I mean, you know, my, all my aunts and uncles and my wife's whole family. The only, honestly, the only part of my family that lived in East Utica was my mom and dad. Yeah, we were yeah. I, we were East Utica family for the most part. Yeah. On one side. I, I had North Utica. We were Jefferson side, North Utica as well. So I'm just yeah, gonna, yeah, I, know, yeah. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I, you know, when my, my dad is a chemist, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when, you know, when they were growing up, they lived on Kasuth Ave forever until yep. I was born. Like mm-hmm. I said, I'm the youngest of six kids. So in the late 70s or early 70s, right before I was born, they moved to North Utica and it was like a big event. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's like this East Utica family yeah. moving up in the world at this grand <laughs> location in North Utica. Meanwhile, it was a three bedroom house, like, you know, with no basement across the street from Dang. Keys Road, but it was theirs. Yeah, you know, of course. you know, it was all yeah. there. So, um, so yeah, so, um, <clears throat> we, uh, we were looking around and, um, the situation presented itself to run mm. for a district council seat, which in the common council, there's six districts. Yep. And three at-large seats. At-large just means the whole city. Yeah. At-large means everyone. Mm-hmm. So there was a district council seat in East Judica, and there was a woman uh, that was in there at the time, um, and I, I ran against her. It was her uh, ward at the time. Her name was uh, Joan Scalise. Mm-hmm. She's yep. a great lady, uh, you know, very uh, ingratiated in city politics, been there a long time. And I spoke with her, and I, you know, we... I'm not I'm not one to attack anyone ever. I'm just sure. not that guy. Yeah. So I spoke with her and I said, Miss Scalise, I'd really like to um, to participate in government. And I, I I understand that you're you know retiring soon. She was a little older. She was in her mm-hmm. late 70s at the time. <clears throat> so I said, uh, Would you help me if I ran for this seat when you do retire? And she said, Certainly. I'd you know be glad to. 
And that was, you know, two and a half years prior to me actually running. Sure. So she said, just give me one more term and I'm going to be gone and do her thing. So I, I said, okay. And so in the meantime, I went to all the council meetings. I tried to familiarize myself with the mm-hmm. process. I mean, and, you know, I didn't want to taint myself with the government because at right. the time it really wasn't something I was proud of. Um, you know, so I, but I just wanted to see the process. I wanted to do my homework and I'm, you know, a big homework guy now. You know, which is funny. Like I said, we just talked <laughs> right about high now. school. Now I'm a big homework guy. So um, now I am. Right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it took me a while. Um, so, uh, you know, a, an election cycle went through, and you know, I tried to call her. I said, okay, you know, it's about time. You know, I'm gonna make signs and do the whole political thing. You know, what do you think? And she wouldn't return my phone call. And I was telling everybody, you know, look, I'm gonna run for this spot. Would you support me? And people, were, yes, you know. So. Um, it turned out that she, um, you know, I guess wanted to run again. And I said, well, I said, man, we, we kind of had an agreement. You know, mm-hmm. we, I, I supported everything that you did over right. the last two and a half years. Mm-hmm. I did everything you asked me to do. You wanted me on these committees, and, you know. Yeah. And um, I said, I'm kind of at a point now where I've made my bed, you know, and you've never, you didn't call me and say, hey, Joe, let's back it yeah, off. You right. know, I tried to get in touch with you. Mm-hmm. People at the time were actually talking about me on the radio, um, which was a big deal for me because I, you know, I never heard my name in public before. Yeah. So I'm like, oh man, everybody's talking about it. I better say something myself. So I made an announcement that I was running, and uh, and we ran against each other. And um, and I, every, you know, the process is really simple. It's just go and meet people. Yeah. You know, go knock on their door. They want to know that they have access to, uh, you know, someone that can help them. Um, and. You know, people would say, well, you know, I don't, you know, I didn't care for what uh, the person that's there now is doing. So, and I always said, I said, listen, I'm not going to say a disparaging word about anyone. I, I will tell you this. I don't think that anyone was doing a bad job necessarily. I just honestly believe I could do better. Mm-hmm. That's that's my campaign strategy yeah. to you. I told him, you take well, it or leave it, you know. Here's my credentials. Here's what I believe in. Here's what I'd like to do going forward. I'm an accountant. We work with the budget. The Common Council happens to control the city budget. I said, I just think I could do better. That's it. I don't have anything to say negatively. Um, and I campaigned, and I won. Uh, I was fortunate enough to win, and um, and that was actually a primary uh, because we were fellow Democrats. Sure. Uh, and then I had uh, the following uh, week or so, then I had to gear up for the Republican challenger. Mm. Uh, and that happened to have been current Councilman Mark Williamson who yep. ran against me in that particular district. And, uh, and I was again, I was fortunate enough to win. Uh, both the primary prior and the general election, and uh, and I've been there ever since. I've been there for this is my fifth year, and it's mm-hmm. been an honor and a privilege every step of the way. It's an eye-opening experience for sure. Now, I do have two questions I wanted to get into you just because um, I feel like I'd be a bad uh, low-level journalist if I didn't ask you about them. Yeah, you don't give yourself enough credit. You're doing really, really, I'll tell you, it's one of the better uh, interviews I've ever done. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I mean it. Uh, well, first off, I want to say, when I was doing some internet research on it, it seemed like the paving issue that's been going on has sure. come up a lot. It's, yeah. Uh, the general idea, unless I'm screwing this up, uh, is we're going from spending $2 million a year, theoretically, to $5 million a year to Correct. fix uh, infrastructure and paving throughout the city. Sure. And that's this it. seems to be, uh, I don't. I wouldn't say that it's, it seems to be a divisive issue from what I'm reading a little bit. Seems to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's inexplicably divisive. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> it uh, it seems to be, you know, the concept is simple. Are we doing enough with roads? Mm. You know, I mean, you know, one of the things that I, I was fortunate, and again, you know, these some of these things that I get to do are almost baffling to me. You know, I get to meet a governor. I mean, good mm, Lord, yeah. I'm Joey from, you know, <laughs> exactly. over here. You know, I'm yeah. nobody. 
and I get to sit with the governor. One of the things that we got to do, and it was really, uh, you know, a proud moment for me, was I got to sit with the governor prior to his presentation about Marcy Nano mm-hmm. coming to yeah. reality. Um, they were announcing this chip manufacturing company, AMS, building a $4 billion yeah. complex. And um, so we, we sat and spoke about it. And one of the things that he said resonated, and it's not, you know, it's not rocket science to understand this, but he said it out loud and he meant it, and I, I took it to heart. He said, look, the state is investing an inordinate amount of money mm-hmm. into Utica, New York, for one of the first times in yeah. forever. You know, upstate New York was always forgotten. We're always, you know, the oh, yeah. bastard stepchild of New York City. Mm-hmm. So upstate New York is getting all this money. He said, this is not the end. This is the beginning. Now I am providing, you know, the state is providing you with the catalyst. You have to take the key, mm-hmm. start the car, and drive it. Oh, yeah. So for us, you know, we have, and, you know, we've seen uh, Michelle Truitt has done, like, downtown um, uh, surveys okay. and things like that. The number one problem that we have in, uh, citywide is our roads. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you look at the Common Council's charter, the Common Council controls the city roads, sidewalks, right-of-ways, things like that. So that's the first line in our in our things to tackle. The other problem that we have is, like you said, um, with, with the schools. I think our schools are dramatically underfunded. Mm. You know, and the class sizes are massive. My kids go to a local elementary school in yeah. Utica, and they're sitting there, and thank God the teachers are so yeah. terrific, but they're dealing with 30 kids at a time, and that's a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, of kids. So yeah. the funding mechanism, but can we do that on a council level outside of supporting them, and right. I have publicly? We can't do anything about it. So the other thing is the roads. So we right now are currently spending $2 million on, mm-hmm. on paving. Um, we tried to figure out, uh, how much we are allowed to spend? Like, first of all, we're in the upper northeast. So, how much? If we had a billion dollars laying on the table, can we spend it this year and fix every road? Mm-hmm. No, we can't because there's not enough construction companies. There's not enough time in the in the year yeah. in the construction season to do those kind of things. Okay, so how much money can we physically spend? And the answer was about six and a half, six million dollars, something like that. That's how much we could spend. That'll get about sixteen or seventeen miles of road done. Mm-hmm. Turns out that that number was financially irresponsible to the taxpayer, mm-hmm. and we couldn't get that amount of money in the amount of time we needed it. So we had to go, we had to work backwards from the most and get yeah. to a point where it was manageable. So that's where the five million came. Hmm. The five million dollars came from, uh, you know, it, it's going to get boring here. So I'm going <laughs> to warn you now. Uh, um, I'm trying to not make it boring, but it's going to get a little okay. boring. So we have. Uh, you know, been working for the five years. When I went and knocked on people's doors, when I became a, yeah. uh, a, an elected official, I told them, I want to work on the budget. I want to get the taxes low. I want to balance it. And I want to stop borrowing for costs mm. that are beyond their useful life. So in accounting, if you borrow money for an asset, a, a company that allows you to borrow in a financial uh, advisory company like Moody's and Standards & Poor's, you hear of our bond rating? Uh, vaguely. Yeah, yeah, so what we have in uh, in cities is bond ratings. Bonds, municipal bonds are we, uh, you know, will bond out for a project. Mm-hmm. Those bonds will be sold on an open market. Yeah. And given the degree of certainty that a municipality can pay that bond back mm-hmm. is how graded it is. So uh, Oneida County, for instance, is a very good bond rating, meaning if, we, if they, uh, you know, borrow $10 million, sell $10 million of bonds, there's a, a tremendous likelihood that that bond will not go into default. Somebody will pay it back. Sure. So we're right now, they're at a double A 
plus. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the best bond rating you can get. We're right now at about a B plus, mm-hmm. which is great because we came in at around a C. So we've been increasing our bond rating. And the reason that is is because we've never borrowed beyond the useful life of uh, any given debt. And that is because, uh, like, for I'll give you an example. Uh, before I was in, we borrowed for ambulances. Okay. Okay, when the ambulance service was starting. Now, a company will say, you'll go to the company and say, I need to borrow $10 million to buy three ambulances. Yeah. They'll say, okay, you could borrow that money. Um, we would ask, how long would you allow us to write that money off? Okay. They'll say seven years. The useful life of an ambulance around seven years. So they have maybe an actuary, a guy who determines mm-hmm. how many years a useful life is. And you go with a professional and you get it in writing and you say, okay, it's allowed seven years. We will borrow no longer than seven years. But turns out in 2007 or six, whenever it was, the city of Utica borrowed for 30 years yeah. for a seven-year asset. The reason they did that, obviously, was so they could spread the payments right. out longer. Yeah. But what happened is you get seven years of a good asset mm. and 23 years of this bad debt just okay. hanging over you yes. for 20, you know, or 23 years of this sense. bad wow. debt, right? So we've made, huh. I, when I got in, I put in a, um, a, a city law that says you're not allowed to even, you're not even allowed to look at borrowing beyond a useful life yeah. of an asset. When you want to borrow, you have to get a certified report as to how long the asset will live, and then you are not allowed to borrow beyond mm-hmm. that. So it's not even you can't even do it anymore if yeah. you wanted to. So with these roads, we asked the company, how long will you allow us to borrow? What's the maximum? Because obviously the maximum is the best because you could space the payments out more. It's more manageable. So they said 15 years. Yeah. So that's where we get the 15 years. So if you take $5 million in 15 years yeah. and we have 210 miles of road, how many road miles of road do we need to do each particular year to get every road done? Right. Turns out that answer was 14. Mm. So that's where we got those numbers mm. from. I mean, clearly, it's not a perfect plan. Sure. It's because I'll tell you, I mean, no one, you don't need to be an engineer to know that a road isn't going to last for 15 years. Mm. So we have to have a manageable maintenance program in addition to this. But not this, America, at least. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not in Northeastern America. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, so, I mean, if you go to Texas or Florida, those roads are mm. built out of concrete and seashells. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're just not really subject to the kind of... Look, one crack in our roads builds ice and opens up. You know, it destroys it. And one of the things I'm actually interested... What intrigues me about this... Uh, I don't know if you're a John Oliver guy. John Oliver did a really excellent thing on HBO. Love John about, Oliver. About infrastructure. Infrastructure is not a sexy topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you can talk about downtown hospital. You can talk about uh, revitalization right. Utica. We can talk about uh, all the things that are going on, all the great stuff. But... yeah. Revitalizing infrastructure for roads is not something that really wets the public's uh, take, uh, imagination or, right. or sparks it the way that something else like that normally would. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not you yeah. know a tax but topic. It's, it's not public safety. Yeah. It's, it's ultimately important, yeah. right? It's the it's those keys to the engine of the car that the governor is saying that we need to take yeah. on. It is true economic development. It is saying, hey, look, I, I want you to have your $600,000 a year job up there building chips. Yeah. I want you to, though, also drive your $150,000 car down our roads because right now I'll be traveling behind a 4x4, you know, a, a Jeep Grand Cherokee from mm. 1992, not anything anyone's trying to save. But that person in that car, mm. look, and I'm, again, I'm a Democrat. I'm a, I'm a true and true Democrat. Mm. That person in that car doesn't have money to fix their axle. The guy with the hundred thousand dollar car actually may he may avoid it because he doesn't want the aggravation. Sure. But the guy with the with the low income that's trying you know and they're driving two miles an hour weaving in and out of potholes that's a problem. Yeah. So 
you know, first, are we borrowing properly if we need to borrow? Secondly, do I believe that we need to borrow the entire time? I don't because I believe in the economy of this city. Hmm. I believe that the tax base is increased. I believe that our sales tax is going to be increasing to us. I mean, we're 24% of the population in Utica. We're getting 12% of the money. That's a problem to me. If we're the majority of a populous center hmm. and the county disperses this, this sales tax money, and I've talked to Tony about this endlessly, and you know, and now he's taking on you know, some tasks to redistribute sales hmm. tax, that is inequitable. Yeah. We have Medicaid offices here. We have Medicare offices here. We have all the social services. We have public transportation, and we're not getting our fair share of the sales tax money. So that's going to increase. We have revenue anticipation that's going to increase. Hmm. So we're not going to have to borrow for this money. But if in the worst case comes, we can borrow. And if we do borrow, we borrow in the accor- in accordance with what a professional allows us. And then at the end of the day, by the way, you're going to get a new road. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I mean, you know, everybody's complaining. Like I said with Michelle Truett, you take that Duda um, thing. The number one response was the roads was the problem in the city. You know, it wasn't public safety. It wasn't I'm scared to go downtown at night. It wasn't, you know, it's the roads. So we... If we don't, everyone invests in themselves yeah. except for the city of Utica, and it's mm. it's just mind blowing. Mm. The two million dollars that we spend right now, Sam, is four hundred thousand dollars from federal money, one point six million dollars in state money. Mm. That means zero dollars comes from the city of Utica. Mm. It's about time, I think. Yeah. But when all that's said and done, too, you know what the Common Council could have done was we could have just did it. Yeah. But why it's become an issue in the in the news is because I didn't feel it was appropriate. I mm. felt like people should hear this. And, you know, they should spend their money the way they want. So what we did was we brought it to a referendum. So now you get to go vote. Mm. You get to vote on how your money is spent, which is very rare in government. Mm. And that's something I'm incredibly proud of. So if it fails, I'll be disappointed. But I'll know that the people got a right to say what they're going to do with their tax dollars. End of the day, it's a win-win because they decide. Every change, like a regular election, if someone, uh, you know, decides not to vote for me, I will accept it gladly. Mm. Like you hear now on the national scale, some people won't accept the dem- democratic well, process. Some people, some people, some but non-politicians. <laughs> that's right. Um, so you know that is uh, that's mm. the way that I think mm. government should work. I think mm. government should, you know, you know, I, I'm a little bit uh, of a conservative in the sense I think government should get out of your way. Yeah, sure. You know, um, but uh, you know, I, I appreciate the process mm. that a referendum allows. So that's what I'm proud of. Uh, Joe, I know we've taken a lot of time here on your Saturday morning, and I hate to steal you away from uh, your family and it's your a wife. Pleasure. Uh, so we're going to get into the lightning round questions. Uh, sure. For those uh, for those folks who've listened to us every week, these are the same uh, six questions we ask every guest for the last 40 episodes, except for one which we premiered last week. So you're the second person to do one of our new questions. Perfect. First question, uh, Joe Marino, in the morning when you wake up, how do you take your coffee? Black. Black coffee. With sugar. Black with sugar. Black okay. with sugar. Okay, because we've been adding a lot of people on the uh, on the yeah. just the straight black list. No, nah, black week. with sugar. Uh, you are not as much older than me than you think you are, so I'm curious to hear about uh, this. What was your first automobile? Oh, my first car, I was very fortunate. It was a 1996 Nissan Pathfinder that I flipped Ooh, yep. two months after I bought it. Mm-hmm. It rolled over on me two months after. Then oh. my next car was a 1982 Bronco 2 because my yes. mother would not trust me with a nice car yes. any longer. 
I'm right in the same wheelhouse with you. I've definitely, I definitely flipped my first car. Yeah, I had, a, I had a nice car. I was super excited. My family all hated me because they all got jalopies. When, and I was very fortunate. My father had a good job. It was a uh, Pathfinder. Flipped it. 1992 Bronco 2 for the next four years. Uh, you may or may not have taken this car to this event, but what was the first concert you ever attended? Dave Matthews Band Spec. Mm, yeah, by myself. Yeah, by myself. Lone concert. Yeah, it's a power move. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I, I mean, without like my, you know, my family oh, taking right, me right, to, right, you know, right, like yeah. a thing. Yeah, by yeah. myself with my friends. Um, yeah, Dave Matthews Band, Saratoga, uh, 1994. Mm. Awesome mm. concert. Loved it. It was the first time he played Satellite in public, I think, nice. in decades. Nice. Greatest. Uh, so similarly, give me a book album, movie, or TV show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching? Uh, TV show that I'm currently watching, Sherlock. Sherlock? Uh, yeah, with uh, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like him. Yeah, I'm a big BBC guy. like yeah. British programming. Watching Black Mirror at all? No, not yet. It's pretty good if you're looking for something spooky to watch for Halloween. Pretty yeah, good. I'll tell you, I'm t- I told you, I am afraid to watch these things. I make my wife sit with me like at night, I'm like shaking like a yeah. three-year-old. It's got a little Twilight zone vibes to it, though, if you like... It's, it's not scary so much as it's thought provoking, and it's all kind of about technology in yeah. the near future. It's interesting. I'm I'm a nerd for stuff like that. So for me, I had a, yeah. I had a problem with Stranger Things. I, I oh, literally yeah. I got it took me a while to get through that. Yeah, I had a big problem with uh, when I was younger. I had a my sisters were babysitting me. They put me in front of Poltergeist when I was five years old, and it was the last thing they could have ever done. Uh, let me. Let me set the scenario here for you. Sure. You are a baseball player walking up to home plate, or alternately, you are a professional wrestler walking through the entrance ramp. What is the theme song playing during that moment? Yikes. Mm. Oh, man. Um, honestly, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, it's Kanye West. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, it's okay. the most egotistical song ever. It's amazing I'm the reason that everyone's fired up this evening. Yeah. It would be that if I was in public, I would want everybody to know that I was walking up to the plate. Um, and I would want them to know how great I was playing at Yankee Stadium. So, uh, sorry for the letting my guard down and being an egomaniac for a few minutes, but that's it. Uh, and Joe, last but not least, uh, besides the city of Utica, besides New York Yankees, uh, besides politics, besides besides helping the city, give me one more thing that you are passionate about. Oh, my favorite thing in the world is coaching my sons playing baseball. It's, nice. I mean, it's bar none. I don't think about a thing, oh, but yeah. just the you know the genuine mm. smiles on their face, uh, and you know, and I'm devastated when they make an error. Coaching um, my kids is uh, is my favorite thing in the world to do, bar none. That's uh, that's a wonderful answer. Uh, I'll say one of the joys I've I've had while doing this this show for 71 episodes is uh, we live in a city that is large enough where you can meet all sorts of different people, but small enough where no one's that far away from being able to contact you. It's a nice little middle ground where the people in power and the people who are doing good things are not that far away from contact, and it's a real honor to have you on the show here. Thank you for joining oh, us Sam, again Sam, I'm telling you, it's my um, pleasure. I mean, you know, to come out and spend a Saturday morning with you guys is, is really, really a joy. You know the the fact that you guys perform this kind of service to the city, and it is a service. I mean, I know Thank you. that I you enjoy it. it. When they say, you know, yeah. you're never working a day in your life if you love what you're doing. Yes. So I true. mean, you know, it, it is it is nice. It's the way I feel about this city and the council and, and doing the work that I do, and I can tell it's the way that you guys feel about what you do. So for us to link up and me to offer any service that I have Saturday morning or not. You know, people's problems don't take a break on Saturdays <laughs> and Sundays. You know, so Joe, it's where an can, honor. Where can people get a hold of you if they want to reach you? Yeah, you know, um, at Joe Utica 4 on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not as active on Twitter as I'd like to be, but uh, at Joe Utica 4 on Twitter. 
uh, search Joe Marino on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a cell phone that people can connect, contact me Wonderful. genuinely all the time. Mm-hmm. It's uh, 315-723-1238. Mm-hmm. It's listed with the city of Utica. It's, uh, you know, it's... Mm-hmm. I like to make sure people have an access to their council people. Council people is the lowest form of government mm. you can get in the entire country. And I say that affectionately mm. because yeah. you're the boots on the ground. You're the people that sh- someone should be able to get a hold of. And if you can't, if you can't get a hold of me, blame my wife. <laughs> I will. Uh, folks, get out there and vote November 8th. That is the day for the uh, for the referendum and the referendum. Yeah, national election and the, and the referendum. Yeah, you know, I understand that the national politics is leading some people to be really disappointed and discouraged mm, with, well. you know, both candidates on both sides. It's really... But uh, but don't ever take that stance. Get out there and vote. Yeah, Let your voice sure. be heard. And when you do vote, you become you know a registered voter on the list, and you know makes politicians okay. contact you more because you're an active voter. Yeah. So go out there and vote. And if you have to write someone in, uh, you know for whatever election you're not comfortable with, um, and, but don't you know don't make a mockery of it. Write someone in that you honestly yeah. believe in. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, turn that ballot over on November eighth and vote for this referendum. We can afford it, and you can't afford not to. Joe, it's a real pleasure. Thank you again for joining us this Sam, morning. so, so much fun. Thanks oh, so much. My pleasure. We'll be back to the show in just a moment. On the show to interview them, and you find out you had a lot more in common with them than you than you expected. And it wasn't to say that I didn't think that Joe Marino and I would have things in common. It's that I didn't think that the first thing we were going to talk about was going to be Premier League soccer. Like that snuck out of nowhere that he was a Man U guy and I was a Liverpool guy. And it's funny that's been again. I say it all the time, and I know I repeat myself ad nauseum. One of the big joys of this show has been getting to talk to people who do good things about the city and realizing that they're just like us and they're just regular folks who care about the city they grew up in and they care about seeing people do well and care about other people. And that's like a nice thing. So, I don't know. Shout out again, Joe Marino. Uh, I'd vote for him for any office he ran for. Joe Marino's always been a favorite of mine. He was one of the first local politicians to, like, take an interest in the whole Made in Utica project and everything like that. And him and uh, Samantha Colosimo-Tasta as well was... You know, the first ones to reach out, but Joe has stayed reaching out. He came through really big time for the Franklin mm. Square film series, has our back at every turn, so I'd be happy to have Joe on anytime he wants. Mm. Uh, you guys ready for a uh, little yesterday's history today? Yeah. Boom. All right. I love it. <laughs> uh, on this day yesterday in 1926, on Monday, Halloween Day, October 31st, uh, the most famous magician of all time, Harry Houdini, passed away. Uh, He died uh, in a Detroit hospital uh, 12 days after he had talked to a group of students in a lecture uh, and commended the strength of his stomach muscles and his his ability to withstand hard blows. Uh, One of the students uh, one of the students punched Houdini twice in the stomach to to, uh, validate his point. Uh, Magician didn't really have time to prepare and it ruptured his appendix and he died 12 days later. Yeah, no, he sucker punched him without letting Harry Houdini tense up. Mm. It's a shady move. Mm -hmm. Scumbag. You know, and it's a shame because, like, Houdini, that's like the number one magician, right? Like, you think about magicians, that's the first name you think of? Um, Maybe. Do you think about magicians? Do I really think about magicians, I think, (laughs) is the question. I think of, like, the prestige first. 
Like, those are my magicians. Um, you know, we actually had the opportunity in the next couple weeks to bring a magician on the show, and I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, a good friend of mine, Sean Robinson, who might come on in the next few weeks. Sean is a tableside magician who's been in a couple different weddings, and he used to work at Delmonico's. I don't know if he's still there or not. Yeah. But he's a hell of a magician, and my biggest problem with bringing him on the podcast is you can't see, you can't see any of his dope tricks on the podcast. Can you so, do, like, mind reading? That would be pretty good. I don't See, I don't buy that. I don't really? buy anyone who can read my mind. Mm. You ever done, like, palm reading or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Do you buy were, it? Well, I hope not, because they told me I was going to have, like, 12 kids, so. Do you, do you feel like you're going to have 12 kids? <laughs> no. Yeah. You, ever do, you ever do palm reading? <laughs> me? Yeah. Have I ever read palms or had my palm read? Either or. Neither. Aww. Neither. I've got, I like, I like magic from the sense of... I know they're doing something I can't see. I know that they've got some weird step that I'm missing, and it's intriguing to me on that level, but I don't really put much stock in looking at my hand. I cut my palm this summer. I cut all the way down the middle of it, and I have an extra line. Now, it's going to be a scar that, that I never. Well, it wasn't on purpose. Oh, it made it sound like it was. It was an accident, but I'm saying, like, you can't just look at somebody's hand, I think, and tell their future. It's a scam. Yeah. No palm reading. Uh, so I. I'll share a quick story with you folks. I was uh, spending some time in the capital region with a girl I was dating at the time. And we were walking down the streets, and we happened to... aggressively diplomatic. Go ahead. Very diplomatic. <laughs> uh, and we... St- uh, there was a, a, a tarot card, like, palm reader who was on the street. And she said, let's go get our palms read. And I said, that's stupid. I don't want to <laughs> get my palms read. That's not really... I don't, I don't believe in that stuff. And she said... Come on, just have some fun. Like, stop. Don't take it so seriously. Just, just go and we'll have yeah, fun. And I yeah. said, okay, all right, fine. That's yeah. that's a fair argument. We'll go see what's what. And I left there so annoyed because I just I could see the scam happening. I could see it happen in mm-hmm. in real time. This guy's mm-hmm. holding my hand. He's looking at me. He's like, "What kind of relationship do you have with your father?" I'm like, "Well, oh my god, I'm a sad white boy walking down the street in the middle of the day when I probably should be working, looking pretty <laughs> downer and a little bit depressed." What are the odds that I have problems with my dad? I would say better than 50-50, just looking at me, right? Like, it's it's all cold calling. Yikes. And the problem is when you do it with somebody, uh, if you go with somebody who's getting poverty and they're into it, and yeah. then you got to sit there and be like, oh, yeah, he, he told you some stuff. Boy, he got you good. <laughs> Did they say you guys were really going to, like, get married or something? Or No, no, but what they vaguely said is like, you know, you may not realize that there's someone who cares about you. <laughs> Out there. I'm like, you think it's that maybe it's because I walked in with a person who I very clearly have a strained conversation relationship with, obviously, just by looking at us. Wow, it's really good that you're good at looking at things. Aww. And also, yeah. we the guy left me in the room while he was doing the other person's palm reading. Like, I'm sitting in the room while he's reading her palm, and I'm, like, flipping through a magazine, pretending not to, like, pay attention. I'm like, this oh, is so dumb. That's a little uncomfortable. Yeah, and that's what I think. And, and look, I'm, I'm not even saying that there's not some crazy person out there who is really like transcendent and understands magic and yeah. tell my future. I haven't met that person yet and I don't think they're working out of a yeah. basement level apartment in the capital region. That's but point. Do you know what I mean? You're probably right. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is like, right, I always thought about this. If you can read palms or tarot cards, why are you not like a billionaire? Right? And the argument is, oh, well, you can't use these powers for evil. But I'm like, you could use those powers at least slightly for make evil. Some side like, make some side Money's not evil. No, it's not. <laughs> not inherently it's just making evil. your way. Mm. A lot of evil ways to get money, though. Mm. There's many evil ways to mm. get money. Mm. Right. Eat onions. All right. <laughs> Callback humor is what that is. 
Um, I'm not going to go too much into uh, this story uh, about the Chiba- uh, gentleman who is the founder of Chibani. Uh, his name is Hamdi Ulukaya. I hope I said that as, as closely as I could. Uh, we're not going to go too far into this story, but I just want to give him a shout out. Little, uh, We're with you, brother. A little posterity. Ch- he was the guy, uh, for people who don't remember, Chobani. He gave all of his employees who work at the Chobani factory equity. In a company that's, I mean, boomed in the last five years, went from a little tiny thing out of Edmiston, which is like some teeny tiny little like tumbleweed town. And it's turned into a huge national brand. He gave every single one of his workers equity, which is an amazing move. And you don't see anybody doing anything like that Mm. anymore. Mm -hmm. And now he's catching shit because, take it away. Uh, Well, as as we mentioned very quickly, he bought up defunct uh, yogurt factory upstate New York. Added a new facility now employs about 2,000 people who help make Greek yogurt. But, and this is from the New York Times, in this contentious election season, the extreme right has a problem with Chobani. In its view, too many of their employees are refugees. Uh, this is a stupid argument. Yeah, it is. This is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard anyone complain about. It's, we are a country of immigrants and refugees who came here because of political and religious and economic freedom, looking for some way to build a new life. You have a gentleman who built up a company from nothing and is giving that In a opera, building that nobody wanted. In, in a, a town that nobody wants to live in. Turned it into a national brand mm-hmm. and gave people the opportunity to build a life Changed the way he did. Changed people's lives. Yeah. yeah. Changed people's lives. Yeah. If, if you are one of these people who is uh, calling to boycott Chobani, you're a bad person. You're mean. Yeah. Stop listening to my podcast. Go away. Stop listening to me. I would love to give, if, if, if any of you people are listeners and you want to come on and have a one-on-one interview segment with me about why you're a scumbag, <laughs> I, please, this is the one time you can follow me on Twitter. Slide into the DMs. We can do it anytime, anyplace, and I will try to correct the area ways. Wow. There's so many, and it's funny, like, I hate to be so, like, there's so many things that people can say, especially nowadays with Facebook and this contentious, contentious election season and a lot of people, there, there are so many things that people can say now that make me think immediately that they're a scumbag but when people are like crushing on refugees, that's one of my number ones it's like you just don't get what this country was founded for. So entitled for, for no reason I, do you just miss It's the- like they don't even want the job and nobody else wants the job. They're out of people in Edmiston. Nobody else lives there. There's not <laughs> oh 2,000 people in Edmiston. Like, um, Edmiston is about half the size of a football field. That's probably oh. a little bit of extrapolation. But just like, a little bit. What the hell do these people care? You know no. what I mean? They're just like, oh, refugees work there. Why is refugees a bad thing? Because you assume all refugees are from, what, Syria? So you assume they're all Muslims? So you assume they're all terrorists? Like, how right. can you have that little to do in your life and be a grown adult with well, that little perspective on the world around you mm-hmm. where that's what you believe? You are a scumbag. Come fight me on the show. <laughs> I'm very upset. Well, to, and that's the point that you just did an extrapolation that I think most people do. Where are you from? You're from Syria. Means you're a Muslim. You're right. a Muslim. That means you're a terrorist. Yeah. Like, those... That's not... That's not inherently all the way of, that goes. All of that's wrong. Yeah. All of that is all wrong. All of that is wrong. <laughs> I come from a family of Syrian immigrants, and mm-hmm. we were Catholic. Right. Like, it's mm-hmm. not every person who is Syrian is Muslim. And it's yeah. not to say that not a large portion of them are, but... Even if they are Muslim. Yeah. So, like... Well, that's the other fair point, too. Like, <laughs> there, there is no inherent way to tie, like, terrorism and Islamic culture together, yeah. except 
when the media does it to their benefit, exactly. right? Or when people do it to benefit a claim that they have that's I mean, outrageously wrong. You know yeah. what, though? And thank God we have these people to be vigilant because you know that the first thing they want to do is install a caliphate in Sharia law in Edmiston, New York. Are you yes. kidding me? It's true. It's true. Um, so but change the subject. We're changing the subject. Okay. Uh, guys, so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about Halloween. This will be the last uh, thing we talk about it because I want to get into something here. So I did something, and, and for you folks out there who don't know, I, I'm a 30-year-old man. I can do what I like. Really? I don't feel bad about that. <laughs> I'm not really a, a, a drinker, necessarily. I don't really drink very much. I don't really go out partying. On Saturday, it, with the combination of not having a car, and it being Halloween, and wearing a costume, and, and having a lot of people here, um, I drank uh, many adult beverages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tasty. Yes, yes. Tasty beverages. I met with the Jameson family. Ooh. I spoke with them. I knew it was nice. going to be a long night when you just poured a Jameson shot in the kitchen at like 7.30. Oh. Like before anybody had a costume. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Oh, gross. I was getting ready for it. Uh, so I continued doing that. And I didn't get I didn't get particularly sick like I did when I was younger when I would be drinking. I, I, I held it together pretty well, I think, all things considered. Uh, but what I realized when I woke up on Sunday morning, and still today on Monday, I can't recover from drinking. I am a terrible recovery cycle. Mm-hmm. I can't hang the way I once used to. And all I did yesterday and all I did today was think about food that I wanted to eat. Yes. So, guys, I'm going to leave this here for you. Would you have had a little bit too many adult beverages, what is your best hangover food? Ooh, Taco Bell. Mm. Orange juice. Orange, orange juice. juice. Yeah. That is good. Just have to hydrate. I don't, like, eating, sometimes you'll get real, hungry is later in the day for me. Like, if I catch myself, I'm usually really good about drinking a bunch of water, taking some Advil before bed, because the hangovers are terrible and I don't like them. I try. It doesn't always happen. <laughs> but uh, all I want is liquids, hydration, just Powerade. water. And then, like, you know, you know, hot Powerade is great. Uh, something like that. Mm. And then maybe, like, a breakfast sandwich, depending on how early mm. it is. It's going to be like sausage, egg, and cheese. Bagel I'm like an English grow. muffin. Bagel, yes. Yeah, bagel Grove. <laughs> hey, yo, ba- bagel Grove is is number one on my list for yes. hangover foods. Uh, and that, But that primarily is because they're right down the street. Yeah, now, walking distance. I'll tell you, Taco Bell is an interesting answer because Taco Bell is probably the worst but also the best hangover food. Because it's satisfying, but I don't necessarily think that coating my stomach full of uh, that's already full of booze and beer with Taco Bell is the best combination. Like, there's a lot of volatile elements you know working what? together. In I one feel place great there. after I eat Taco Bell. You, I have never felt like shit after. Not, you know what? No, 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 no. Because you're about to say that it's about something that it's not. Because I'm with you. Everybody, all you ever hear about Taco Bell is like, oh, oh you eat Taco Bell and your stomach's all jacked up. Good nah, luck in the bathroom. I feel like a new woman. Taco Bell's, well, that's a lot. <laughs> so I guess I'm going to come back to the middle. I'll be the moderate. I'll be the voice of reason as I get called from time to time. Yeah, that's not uh, Taco Bell just processes like regular food for the most part. Yeah. It doesn't like take a toll on me. But I don't I'm go not eating and a ton eat, of fire like, sauce. The sloppy beanie burritos, you know what I mean? I go mm. for like the classy Taco Bell pieces, you the know? Classy. The, <laughs> the classy Taco Bell pieces. Please, Miss Mara, educate me on what Taco Bell pieces are the classy ones. You know, you got no, no, no. I've never touched the fresca menu. It's just cheesy gordita crunch day in, day out. You got your cheesy fiesta potatoes, and then you got those little cinnamon twist things. Yes. You know, just to just to finish it off. It's perfect. 
finish off. Um, can, I make a, can I make a point about the cantina menu? Did you ever see the episode of The Simpsons where Lisa goes to the Quickie Mart? Okay, Lisa goes to the Quickie Mart and talks to Apu, and uh, he brings her upstairs to show her the garden he's growing on the roof. And he gets there by opening up the, the freezer door that says non-alcoholic beer. And he opens up the door, and it's a staircase, and she goes, oh, wow. But what do you do if someone wants non-alcoholic beer? And he goes, you know, it's never come up. And I assume that's what happens at Taco Bell. I don't think there is a cantina menu. No, there's I just what don't. I understand. I actually, I read an article uh, like a week or two ago. Funny, we were talking about this. They were saying that Taco Bell has low-key become the healthiest fast food chain that really? there is. Really? Yes. Because when you get on that cantina menu and stuff, it's all relatively healthy. Like, yeah. Taco Bell is not considered health food. But when you look at, you know, uh, Mexican and, you know, California Mexican style mm. cuisine, as long as, like, when you're sticking with chicken, especially, there's yeah. a lot of, like, you can make that stuff really good and healthy mm. for you. It's a lot of just chicken and vegetables. If you can cut, like, the cheese and the beef, it's, it makes yeah. sense that it would be. So you get on that menu, you can get, like, some decent food. When did Taco Bell kick into the upper echelon of fast food restaurants? Because growing up, in my in my earliest days, I always remember just Burger King and McDonald's and there was everything else. And oh, Wendy's no. was, like, your number three. But I feel like Taco Bell has had sort of a resurgence in the last, like, 15 years. Like, it's probably the most popular. I first started going to Taco like, age 16, when friends were getting licenses, you can go get mm. food for yourself. Oh, mm. no, I was going when I was, like, seven. Seven? Yeah. I used to have my dance class, and then I would go after with a crazy appetite, and I'd be like, I'm so seven who, years old, I'll so take, like, 14 at tacos. seven years old, who would take you? My? Because like, that's what yeah. it comes down to. My dad and my dad didn't really like Mexican food. He was mm. never a big Mexican food guy, so he'd never think like, "Oh, we should swing through the Taco Bell." I was raised on fast food. I remember yeah, the first yeah. time I had no. Yeah. He would he would have not not shy about bringing us like Burger King or whatever. Mm. But it was just always you know Taco Bell never mm. never really an yeah. option. Uh, as again, parents were di- parents were divorced. Uh, my mom worked. Uh, my dad worked. Fast food was pretty common. Yeah. Not because my mom is like a proponent of fast food, because she worked her ass off. So when she gets home, she's like, all right, we're just going to go to McDonald's, yeah. right? So I always liked fast food. Uh, I think the problem with fast food now as I get older is I know too much. I've seen too many articles. I've seen too many people talk about the negative aspects of fast food for me See? to truly enjoy it I haven't I want seen to. anything about Taco Bell except for that whole beef crap they had going on a while ago. You well, know the general mean? argument I think in general is any any fast food is like processed and processed food in, inherently is worse for you than like cooking things by yourself, right? Because of the, I assume there's preservatives in it and that's what's bad for Listen, you. Listen, half of the stuff that you buy at the store is processed too at this point. You know what I mean? Nothing's really organic unless you're growing it yourself. But that's just because I love Taco Bell and I want an excuse to eat. I am as fat as I've ever been, so I'm not here trying to define what healthy eating habits are. Like, I might go get Taco Bell right now. We've oh, had I'm this conversation going about after, it. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, it depends how much Halloween candy I eat before I leave. I might just go eat some more Halloween candy. I'm just gonna do both. <laughs> Actually, uh, guys, we have gotten to the end of the show. Taco Bell uh, carried us all the way through the end. If Taco Bell hears this and they want to yes. offer us. Some free gorditas. Sponsorship. That yes. would be wonderful. Yeah, any any fast food restaurants who want to sponsor us, please feel free. Yeah. I, I like don't free hesitate. stuff. Arby's, stay away. Yeah. Arby's. Oh, you don't, want, you don't want that pork belly sandwich? What about the cheese and the fries? They're serving venison now at Arby's. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, there you go. Saw that article last week. They're right. doing, you can get a venison sandwich. All right, you sold me. They're okay, literally advertising. They're using the words on billboards, 100% deer meat. Oh. That's what it says. Oh, yeah. God. All right. Um... Follow Mara on Twitter at uh, Mara Olivia with two A's. That's me. Uh, 
follow Kevin for all your venison meat needs. Follow and, me if you want to fight about how you're a xenophobe. <laughs> uh, uh, you can follow me at uh, SF Doom. Follow the show at Uticast. Send us an email at Uticast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at Uticast. Just type in Uticast in Google. It'll show up all over the place. Uh, for Mara, for Kevin, uh, for myself, we want to thank you all for joining us. Episode 71, and we will be back next week.